From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Diz Unplug Roundtable Discussion Email Edition for September 18th, 2008. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table this week by John Magi, Kevin Close, Teresa Eccles, Will Perry, and Walter Eccles. Corey and Julie Martin are attending like 330 weddings, I think. In Louisiana this week, in a baby shower. In I'm a telling you, bris. those two, those two guys go to more weddings than anybody I know. They, they do. Have, all their friends get married. Well, they have a lot of friends. They say they're nice to oh, people. Well, they don't know well, the people. Well, they're nice to people. They talk to people. They know <laughs> people. Wedding crashers. And uh, they leave the house. These are all. Yeah, that's that's really what it is. Is Corey says they're invited, but they're not really. He just wants to go for the free it's food. free food, free booze. But. Uh, so we're uh, we've got our email show this week. Uh, we did not have one go up last week, uh, but we did put up uh, the world of an episode of the world of Mickey from 1999 with Bob Varley doing his cable access show in Mansfield, Massachusetts. That's an it's instant classic. Right it there. is. It's 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 priceless. Except for his hair, he looks exactly. He the same. looks, sounds, and acted identical. Yes. Ex- like I, like I said in his eulogy, Bob was always the same, no matter where he was. And, uh, it was a little hard to watch. It really was for the first the first couple times for me it was too, mm-hmm. and then then after a few times I, I started like being really being being able to listen to it, kind of getting past the fact that we're watching Bob, and just picking up the Bob isms. Um, it was like SCTV. Oh, it is. It's amazing. It's like Gay Wayne's World. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just without gay people. You can see where the props came from. Oh. He he surrounded him. He surrounds himself with props. They're all like the fortress of props right in front of him. I liked how he did the titles, and like his name would be up there for like four minutes. It's, yeah, I know. It cracked me up. It's like okay, moving along. And he did a close up on the monorail, like it was coming towards you in <laughs> the plastic monorail. No, it was great, great. So, if you have not seen that. If you're new to the show, if you are new to the show since uh, late April when we lost our good friend Bob Varley, uh, kind of a great way to get a crash course in all things Bob is sit and watch that. It's an hour long. I realize it takes a lot of time, but uh, it's uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of fun to watch. It's a lot of fun to watch. At one point, Matt says to him, "I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> the other thing I thought was funny was he kept giving out the address for the Diz with the old the address. old address, yeah, and he kept going www. Disney Info, W. Matt kept trying to tell him there's another W in there. How many times have we done that to Bob? Oh, I mean, it's ridiculous. That's what I said. You know, it was like, it just, it was like, it's the same Bob. It was the same Bob. I don't think people realize that Matt is Bob's stepson. Right. Matt is actually Diana's son and Bob's stepson. And I don't think people understood that or they knew who he was. Right. So. so. Well, we have a number of emails and voicemails to play for you this week. I'll just go ahead and get the usual uh, stuff out of the way. If you'd like to send us an email, the address is podcast at wdwinfo.com. If you would like to send us a voicemail, you can call us toll-free in the United States, Canada, and Mexico, one 310 And if you're really creative, you can go ahead and record your own voicemail and email, email it to us. 
And uh, do we have anything on the site yet to sh- tell people how to do that? I do. There's a uh, video tutorial up on how to record MP3 for free. There you go. So, so go ahead and check that out. And if you want to record your own voicemail, the better sound quality, the better the sound quality of a voicemail is, the more likely it is it's going to get played. Mm-hmm. It's an audio show, and uh, the voicemails from the toll-free line are kind of crappy in terms of sound quality. So. Yeah, there's um, it's a it's a quick video. If you go to the uh, the boards, there's an announcement on the boards right now. But um, in the welcome to the Diz um, forum, you'll find a sticky there. Where uh, we're going to add more of these. So, but it's a great way to get started. And I'm actually going to do um, some other ones, just generalizing uh, the stuff on the boards, signatures and things like that. So, and just remind everybody, this is going to be my last show for uh, for a while. I am taking a leave of absence for. Some personal reasons, and uh, we'll be gone for, well, at least three or four weeks. I'm not sure yet exactly how long, but um, so I just wanted to remind everybody this is going to be my last show for a while. And while I'm going to miss you guys, it's kind of nice to think that I'm going to have some time where I don't have to race around getting a show ready like I do right now. Does that mean um, I'm in charge of the prize matron while you're gone? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, John can be in charge of the prize, Matron. Just unplug won. it. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. You know, you've won this old pen. <laughs> We're gonna give away crap we don't want. <laughs> you've won whatever's in my closet at home. That's where I have all my stuff. Every closet in this house, every closet in this house has stuff in it I could give away. Good stuff. I was pulling out cells the other day. I was pulling out like all this stuff, stuff that's got to get framed, stuff we were given at different press events. You probably do that. Just go, you know, I bet you're, you have the same things in your closets at home. We did that um, a while ago. Actually, um, a couple of years, uh, when we first started, we gave away a bunch of prize packs, which were things we found in the closet. I have a lot of stuff from me, a cast member, shirts and things like that, for cast member stuff. And from John's closet, like sequin dresses. They don't even nylons. smell anymore. so all right uh we are going to go ahead and get started our first voicemail this week comes to us from ben in madison wisconsin who has a question about airlines and what to do when they go bankrupt and i think right now in this particular economy this is a very timely question so here is ben hi this is ben calling from madison wisconsin and i have a question what happens if we are booked on an airline and it declares bankruptcy either right before we go or while we're on vacation. Uh, We are flying Midwest Airlines, and it seems that they're having some financial difficulties. But it's not just them. It's Spirit and AirTrans and uh, even the legacy carriers are starting to struggle a little bit. So I guess my question is, uh, what happens to all those people if the airline stops flying? Well, thank you very much for the the question, Ben. I know this is a que- something I think goes through a lot of people's minds, especially watching. You know, we talked in the news uh, yesterday about uh, the uh, the tour operator uh, XL Tours in Great Britain going out of business, stranding eighty five thousand uh, people around uh, around the world. And as I also mentioned, we were talking about that the ro- the, lo- the rules, the laws in, in in the United Kingdom are a lot more strict with the sale of travel. So there is some protection for customers. Uh, in the event uh, something like this happens. Uh, We don't have really those rules here. Um, You'll see it a lot. It's happened a lot where uh, an airline goes bankrupt and uh, that's it. That's it. 
You're, you get in line with everybody else that's uh, uh, waiting for money from, from the airline that the airline owes something to. Uh, a lot of times what will happen is other airlines will step up and honor the tickets, so they may have one or two other airlines that will agree to honor those tickets. Uh, but that doesn't always happen. Now, um, I'd say about 50% of the time, and that's just anecdotal. That's not scientific. That's not a, an act, you know, I'm not saying that's a fact. But based on what I've seen, it seems about half the time uh, other airlines will, will honor the tickets, but then you have that other half. And there really isn't much you can do. I mean, you certainly have legal recourse, but, you know, if a, if a business has gone into Chapter 11 protection, uh, like I said, you get in line behind all the rest of the creditors that are expecting money from them. And um, when a judge finally gets around to doling it out three years later, maybe you'll get half of what you, what you paid for your, uh, for your ticket, if anything. So, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to say. It's tough to say. You also, ha- I apologize. You also have to be aware of what carriers service the area that you're looking to fly either into or out of. Orlando, you're lucky. Almost every carrier is going to come to Orlando. It's a huge destination. But if your home is someplace that's not a huge tourist destination, you should be aware of what other carriers. Because if you are on vacation and something happens to your airline, you're going to have to find a way back home. And the best person to do that is you. Exactly. <clears throat> Exactly. So one of the things to keep I'm sorry, one of the things to keep in mind is um, looking to travel insurance. I was just gonna say that. While that doesn't help you at the moment get you your flight back home, you still have to do that legwork. It still gives you the opportunity to uh, get some of that money back. One piece of advice with travel insurance is understand what it covers. Yes. Um, a lot of people buy travel insurance thinking, Oh, this is gonna cover everything and then there are things that it won't cover. So things like, will you specifically cover me if the airline goes under or if the airline cancels flights and I have to get on another airline? So that's very important. What does it cover? Yeah, and usually, and it, it varies from insurance company to insurance company, but it's usually the things that are outside your control um, that will be covered by insurance. Medical illness, uh, things of that nature um, will will certainly be covered. But in, as far as the details, are they going to cover uh Airline bankruptcies—that's that's something you re, where you're really going to want to read the fine print. But I think it's about your only option. I have a website called, and it's helpful. It's called tollfreeairline.com. It's not affiliated with any one particular airline. All it is is it's a list of airlines and their toll-free numbers. Each of the airlines is also a hyperlink, so if you're looking to find out some information fast in one place, you can hyperlink to the airlines that you're looking to get information from. It gives you their toll-free number and it has a direct link to their site, so it's something good to have with you, or at least if you have computer access to be able to look at different airlines if you have to get in touch with them. Right. So I hope that helps you out, Ben, and wish you the best of luck flying down here. Um, the economy stinks right now, especially for the airlines. And, you know, as we've talked about before, the airlines were just these business, the business models for these airlines were just not designed to handle uh, gas, at, you know, oil at a hundred plus dollars a barrel. It just wasn't part of the, the equation. So that's why you're seeing so many of them fail. But I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, we haven't seen any, you know, major airline failures in a few in a month or so month or two so i'm hoping maybe that's coming to an end with the hundred dollar per bag fees they're charging and all the other crap they're adding on but because uh, actually i think it was last quarter the airlines made a profit most of the major airlines were pulling profits 
Um, nickel and dime on us to death. Well, they also cut back their uh, less profitable routes. Right. They cut back on the number of planes in the sky and let people go. So all that factors into yeah, true. their bottom line, which doesn't – these are not things that help the traveler. So so there it is, Ben. Hope that helps you out. Who has an email they would like to read? I do. Mine comes from Joe Hurley. And Joe says, hi, Dizzers. First, I want to say how much I enjoy your show. And being from the Boston area, I will always think of Bob and you guys as my good friends. You have a great podcast, and I enjoy listening to it and listening and learning new things from all of you. Keep up the good work. My family and I are heading to the world in October. And until recently, I have read numerous posts on the boards about having water shipped to the hotel. This baffles me. Why is this a good idea? How much money would I actually save by shipping a couple of cases of water versus purchasing bottles of water in the park? Not to mention the fact that this water would need to stay cold in order to have a purpose. I'm coming into this with an open mind, but I can't see how this can be worth a whole hill of beans. I mean, I realize bottled water is overpriced, but when it's mid-afternoon and the Florida sun is burning down and I don't think twice about forking over $3 for a relatively cold bottle of Dasani. My situation, there are six of us uh, staying at Saratoga Springs Resort in a two-bedroom villa, and we are on the dining plan, so we can get up to six bottles of water per day towards snack credits if we desire. Our trip is eight days and seven nights, and we have a full fridge, so we could easily ch- uh, we have a full fridge, so we could easily chill the water. But what sense would it make since it would become Florida temperature? He has that in quotes. I think that's funny. By the time we hit the parks, even if we did not use the dining plan to purchase water, would this concept of shipping water to the hotel make any sense? Am I missing something here? Have people figured out a good way to have their cold water and drink it too? Joe, the answer to this is it's going to depend on what you want. I mean, I don't think you're going to have cold water in the park if you're carrying it from Saratoga Springs and you're taking Disney transportation. I think you're going to have cold water at Saratoga Springs if you want to drink it at Saratoga Springs. And unless you freeze it, I know people freeze a bottle of water and take it with them. Some people figure that's worth the the price of spending $3 on a bottle, and other people think it's easier to just buy $3 and get a cold bottle in the park. It's really going to depend on what you and your family think is important. Um... If you're staying in a two-bedroom villa at Saratoga Springs, you might find it's worth it to take a taxi to one of the local supermarkets and stock up that way. That allows you the option of buying more than water. You can buy all of your necessities for a two or an eight-day stay. Don't go to Goodings. If <coughs> it's a pit. Uh, it, some people think it's easier if you don't, they don't want to take a cab, but they do want to have bottles of water in the room when they come back from a hot day in the park. It's easier to have Costco or... Some people get it from Staples. Staples. Like they will yeah. deliver it to the hotel for you. It's, it's a matter of personal convenience. It's a matter of what else you have to buy. I mean, it's... I mean, you can go to Publix and buy a case of 24 bottles of water for five ninety nine. So, I mean... It's all a matter of personal preference and convenience. Do what's convenient for you. No one's figured out a magic way to take warm water or cold water from the hotel to the park and keep it cold in their pocket. They just haven't. I want to talk about the Disney Dining Plan for a moment and the snack credits. Um, I, you'd be surprised the number of people we talk to who say, at the end of my trip, I've got 12 snack credits left over. I don't know what to do with them. Um, we've given the advice that you can purchase certain things in the, your store and your resort and take those things home. But buying water is actually a good option because of the price of water in the parks 
And I think people do this thing where they save up their snack credits. They're afraid to use them. So I think he's got a good idea where you can use the snack credits and get a cold bottle of water and sort of offset that a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, unless you're willing to carry a cooler into the park and maybe put it in a locker or something like that with ice in it, you know, that's you're just going to have warm water. Also, keep in mind that any counter service restaurant will give you a glass of ice water for free. A cup of ice water. Cool. Well, thank you very much for that, Kevin. Who else has one they want to read? I have one, Pete. Oh, Miss Teresa. Are you ready? I'm as ready as I'm getting. Okay, this comes from Sheila, and she says, Hello, everyone. Just a note to add to your review of the Halloween party. We were there the same night as you were, and you were right. The crowds were nothing. I overheard a cast member state that they had only sold 5,000 tickets. First off, we did not go to the park that day and entered the Magic Kingdom at 4 p.m. on our party tickets only. They were given wristbands at the gate at that time and did not have to use our regular ticket also. We had all the rides done by the time the party started. The parade was one of Disney's best we had ever seen, maybe because it had a lot of the floats from the attractions that you never see those characters. As far as the chicken goes, we were standing beside three cast members and they did not know who it was or from. Someone in the crowd said it was from an early Disney cartoon. Another thing that you did not mention that we had never seen before in front of the Haunted Mansion, the bride was sitting and welcoming guests. That was a very nice touch, and interacting with guests made the ride more enjoyable than normal. We just love the park of trick-or-treating. As adults, I think we sometimes forget the child in us. Keep up the good work, Sheila. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, it was a... um, I got to say, I was surprisingly impressed with uh, Mickey's Not So Scary. I listened to that show that you guys did. I listened to a review of it. Um, one of the things I want to comment on is Disney has pushed these dates out so far. Uh, you were surprised that the crowds were so light on a Friday, and, but it was the first week that most people took their kids back to school. Right. So I'm not surprised that it was that light. They're just sort of... They're almost pushing the limits to see how like, far they can push this party out. You know, and I and I, I thought about that, but it's just so odd for Disney to do anything that isn't crowded. Mm-hmm. And more and more so now that it's gotten so much more popular over the last 10 years that, you know, it, the uh, a lot of the rules that used to apply when we started doing this in terms of, of finding empty theme parks, for the last few years at least, really haven't applied. We've been seeing crowds during times when we wouldn't have seen them otherwise. But uh, you know, I was just uh, I was just surprised. I was just really, really shocked. Wasn't it September fifth? Was the first party? Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's like I know it's fifty five days in advance. Yeah. It I is. mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not thinking about Halloween on Labor Day weekend. I don't know. It was a great night to go. We had a great time. We had a great time. And I have to give Disney credit. They figured out how to sell two tickets a day. Well, she gives a great tip that we've talked about before. You can get in as early as 4 o'clock. Right. And the and park is open till midnight, so you get a full eight hours. And for most of those eight hours, or at least from 7 p.m. to midnight, the wait times, at least the night we were there, the wait times were non-existent. Yep. Even I mean, if you go most on attractions, I'm sorry, John, but most attractions were walk-ons, and those that weren't were five-minute waits. Even if you go on a night that's more crowded, if you show up at 4 o'clock, do the smaller rides, the non-e-ticket rides first. Except for Peter Pan. That line's always four hours long. Yeah, well, that's because you're riding the dry cleaner ride. <laughs> and it takes forever to load that thing. The dry cleaner ride. It's set up on a track that your dry cleaner's laundry's on. Have you ever seen it? Yes, yes. <laughs> for, those who haven't, for, those who, for those who haven't been on at the Peter Pan ride, the... 
attraction hangs from a, 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 a track overhead. Um, hence John's dry cleaning analogy. <laughs> That's one of my favorite scenes when you fly over London. And I just every time we do it, I think of the Blitzkrieg. <laughs> this is just not right. We were in that ride one time and a mouse was running through London and it looked like... <laughs> It's like Godzilla was it attacking. Like Godzilla was attacking London, and it was a mouse. It was very funny. A mouse or a rat? We're going to go with mouse. Okay. <laughs> oh Lord! All right. Our next voicemail comes to us from Doug in Akron, Ohio, who has a question about Kevin's restaurant reviews. So here is Doug. Hi, Diz Crew. This is Doug from Akron, Ohio. I'm SRX Man 2001 on the Diz Boards. I have just one question that I'm curious about. When Kevin does the restaurant reviews, does the Viz ever receive any feedback from hotel or restaurant management on changes that will be made in lieu of a not-so-positive review? This question especially intrigues me in light of Kevin's Captain's Grill review. If so, maybe the podcast can follow up with the listeners on what actions management plans on taking to make the experience better for customers in the future. Thanks, and keep up the good work. I've only ever been contacted once by um, by someone from Disney in regards to one of our reviews. And I'm not going to tell you which restaurant it is, but it was a restaurant that got a good review. Got a very positive review, yes. And the chef called or wrote to me, emailed me, and thanked me for the review and invited us to come and have dinner on him. We politely declined, for we don't ever offer to give a positive review in reward for anything. Right. Yeah, that is absolutely that's – a, that's a big no-no with me. Um, and uh, I thought it was very nice that he asked, but I have a feeling that we may have offended him by not accepting it. Um, I, I wrote but, to him, and I thanked him, and I explained to him why I couldn't accept his offer of a, a meal on him. Yeah. It was – it would sort of – deflate my credibility absolutely so i but that's really the only time i've ever gotten any kind of direct correspondence with somebody based on the, one of the reviews that i've done you know we now we've gotten we've gotten feedback on other things uh from various places within disney on uh, uh things we've talked about on the show both positive and negative um not usually to tell us they're going to make any changes but usually to Tell us why we're wrong about how we think about this or how we think about that. I mean, look, I know they listen. Um, I don't know who listens. I don't know how much they listen. I don't know how much they pay attention. Um, I have to imagine they pay some level of attention. We are the largest, and I think I can quantify this number. Uh, we are the largest Disney fan site on the internet, bar none. Um, and our, you know, we have we have a massive number of Disney vacationers coming through our site and uh, what we say and what we do does have i know at least some impact we've seen it uh, all around the parks um, over the years but uh, do they really contact us directly disney's not big on that because you know disney likes to play the whole we're not really paying attention to anything. You're really not that important. In the meantime, they're jotting down every word we say. Which is really funny because on the cruise line, we've heard people talk about the fact that um, certain people have made mention of the fact on the, the repo, repositioning cruises, if you want the information, go to the Diz. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, usually on the, on, like on the, uh, on the cruise line, almost every sailing 
um, at the welcome or at the you know the thing they do in the theater, the like the welcome thing in the theater. Um, they ask how many people are here from the Diz. Um, so I mean, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. But we have seen things change. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that there are things that because the things were so very specific, so many very specific things that we have pointed out. And like a, a week later, we'll go into the show, or into the parks, or into a hotel, and it's changed. So we know they're listening. We know they're listening because I don't think other podcast, all the other podcasts, were saying the same things we were. The sad little crab cake disappeared from the menu at the Coral Reef within within hours of that <laughs> review going up. It's no exaggeration. Within hours, and that was one of the first restaurant reviews, if not the first restaurant review you did. Yeah, they had and, an entirely different format at that time. Yeah, so it was very early on. Yeah, so. It was, uh, so yeah, it's, it's like I said, it's, we hear things, we hear things through, you know, there are some people I talk to that, you know, get, we get information through back channels, we get commentary through back channels. For example, when I called Jay Rasulo a vile pig, um, we definitely got some, some back channel, uh, some back channel comments, um, about that. But hey, what are you going to do? But, uh, thank you very much for the voicemail, Doug. I appreciate it. Who has an email they would like to read? I have one. Walter, go ahead. This one's from Heather from Westwood, Massachusetts. I just wanted to give your listeners a head up. I recently completed my first stay at the Dolphin and had a great room thanks to the code I got on their ad on the Diz. Anyway, while at Walt Disney World, I periodically take cabs. However, at the Dolphin, and I presume at the Swan as well, when you ask for a cab, you get a town car, which is much more pricey. And that should not happen. If you want a cab cab, you must request a yellow cab. I learned this the hard way, and I wanted your listeners to be forearmed. Well, this is, uh, this is something. Uh, the, uh, first of all, the, the valets at both the Swan and Dolphin, as they are at Disney, are separate companies. They're not uh, uh, owned and operated by the Swan Dolphin. And uh, you know what? I, I don't know this for a fact, but I've heard uh, comments and I've heard uh, r- rumors that uh, a lot of these valets have deals with these town car drivers for that very reason, when and they get a, and they get a little bl- a little kickback, um, and it's a shame and it should not be allowed to go on anywhere on Disney property. And uh, we are actually because we were very good friends with the Swan and Dolphin. I'm going to make sure we forward that email uh, off to them with a request that they take a look at that and uh, put a stop to that practice. When someone asks for a cab. They're asking for a cab. Nobody says cab when they mean town car. And nobody says town car when they mean cab. Yeah. Um, right, those are two very different things. If a town car showed up, you could always just say, that's not what I wanted. I wanted a, a real but cab. You're, you're so. trying to go somewhere. You're trying to go somewhere. I also yeah. think that people right. assume that that's now going to be the same price as a cab because yeah. you've asked for it. No, it's, another it's, piece of advice I want to give people is, this is excellent, Sheila. Thanks for writing about that. But another piece of advice I want to give people is, get the cost of your trip before you get into the car. Always. How much is it going to cost me to go to the supermarket? How much is it going to cost me to go from here to the Disney Hollywood Studios? Make them commit to a price but the you but, well you see with the with the yellow cabs though you can do that with a town car with the yellow cabs you really can't because it's all by the mile it's all by the mile and, and quarter mile or eighth of mile eighth of a mile and you, if you sit at a red light the the, the meter is still running the meter still run they should give you an about i mean you shouldn't right. show up at a at some place that should cost five dollars yeah, and it'd give be you, 20 but they're just know? not going to be able to give you an exact uh, any yellow cab because of the meter um you just can't you can't when it's metered when it's metered transportation there's just no way to do that but you can get a, a, a decent ballpark right so that if they tell you it's $20 and then you get there and it's 50 right but uh, 
this, what you know, what Sheila's talking about here, that shouldn't go on, especially at the Swan Dolphin. Like I said, we're going to go ahead and forward that off to them to make sure they're aware of that. And um, and I'm very glad she she brought that up. So thank you for reading that, Walter. Thank you, Sheila, for writing in. Our next voicemail comes to us from the Thompson family in Las Vegas, who has questions about wine. Hi, guys, team. We're the Thompson family. I'm Tiffany. I'm Steve. I'm Logan. I'm Maddie. We're from Las Vegas, Nevada. We love your podcast. We're new listeners, and we found it to be the best source of information. And since we are planning our very first Disney cruise in December, and we'll be staying on property, and also have the benefit of not having to drive, we heard that you can bring your own bottles of wine, and Disney actually encourages it. And I was wondering if you knew of any places on the property where we might be able to buy bottles of wine. We love your show. Keep up the great work. Hopefully we'll see you there. Well, thank you very much, all of you, for, uh, for calling in. That was very cute. That was cute. Um, as far as where to buy wine, I know that some of the uh, Disney Vacation Club properties in the uh, gift, gift store also have like a small food area because the Disney Vacation Club units all have kitchens in them, or most of them have kitchens in them, so you can prepare things. Uh, wine can be purchased there, but I'm going to tell you, you're paying the same price for that wine as you're going to pay if you go into a Disney restaurant and sit down. So if you're really trying to save some money on this, it's worth getting a, taking a cab. Um, go over to go to Publix. Go to the Publix uh, uh, or, or in uh, there in where is that the nearest one? Over in Kissimmee. There's one at Celebration. There's one on Sand Lake Road, and there's one right at the end of 535 where it meets 192. 192, yeah. And uh, Publix has a very nice selection of wine at a fraction of what Disney is going to charge you. So depending on how many bottles of wine you want, or if you're only talking about for one meal or two meals, um, then you might just want to go ahead and break down and buy it there at one of the, at one of the uh, stores at one of the Disney Vacation Club properties. Um, other than that, uh, understand that I do not believe you can bring your own bottle of wine onto the Disney Cruise Line. That's not allowed. Um, that you have to buy on the ship. And um, I wasn't even aware you could bring your own wine into Disney restaurants. Well, they have a corkage fee. They charge you to open the wine and pour it. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, almost all places do that. Right. Disney Cruise Line will allow you to. They will. That you have to bring it in on your carry-in luggage. You can't put it in your luggage any longer. And I, I want to make sure that she understands that they don't encourage it. She uses the word encourage. Disney Cruise Line is not encouraging you to do it. They're allowing you. And this is one of those things that's changed a lot. So it's so hard to say, go ahead and do it, because who knows what they're going to change, you know? Right. In two weeks, they may say, no, we're not going to allow it, and then you have to leave your wine there. People used to ship things to the ship and have it delivered to their stateroom, and they'll no longer allow you to do that. It now has to be but carried you can, on. You could ship it to the hotel. She's all, they're also they're doing a land portion first, right? And I think that's what she's. I think I, my, my impression from hearing it was that's what she was talking about during her land portion, right. uh, predominantly. Um, you know, I, I would I would say really and truly, if 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 that's what you're looking to do, and you're looking to save a significant amount of money because the price Disney charges, I mean, the markup is over a hundred percent on the wine. Um, but you know, between what they're going to charge for it and what you can get it for at Publix or uh, the local ABC liquor store, so I would say if you're going to be thinking you'd be drinking enough wine while you're here, grab a cab, head to Publix. There's also a Winn Dixie not far from 
the end of Hotel Plaza Boulevard. It's only a couple blocks to the left. Don't go to uh, Goodings. It's a dive and overpriced. But you probably what you're going to save in the cost of one bottle of wine compared to buying it on Disney property will pay for the cab. Yeah. Oh, at least. At least. So I hope that answers your question. Enjoy your enjoy your wine. Uh, next voicemail comes to us from Eileen in Wheaton, Illinois, who has some ideas for me. So here is Eileen. Hi, Pete, and the rest of the podcast crew. This is Eileen Hazlitt calling from Wheaton, Illinois. I love your podcast, and you all have such great chemistry. Pete, I just have to let you know that I love your rants. It's great to hear your true feelings on a topic. It's refreshing. I think you and your fellow podcasters would make a great reality show on Bravo. One of my favorite shows on Bravo is Flipping Out with Jeff Lewis. Sometimes, Pete, you remind me of him in a good way, and I think your life would make a great reality show. Just a suggestion. I know you don't have a lot of time, but I just thought of it. So keep up the great work. Thanks, and I'll listen to your next podcast. Bye. Well, thank you very much, Aileen. Um, a reality show starring me. Have you ever seen Flipping Out? No. You have to watch Flipping Out. Oh, really? It's hysterical. Really? It is what hysterical. is it about? He's sort of this obsessive-compulsive um, house decorator, but for a very high-end market. He's a house slipper. House slipper in like the million-dollar range. And he's very uh, eclectic and uh, has a very big ego, and everything revolves around him. It sounds nothing like me. Nothing like you. It's uh, it's very funny. And part of the thing of this show is, um, in my opinion, is that he's in on the joke. He realizes that he's a little bit of a character and has this personality. So that's what makes it funny. As far as Pete's life being a, a reality show... It already is. I don't want to be part of it. <laughs> <laughs> but it already is. It's like everything I do now as it is. It's like fodder for the boards and God knows what else. And that's, as, that's about as much... And that's about as much as I can handle. I don't think I could handle having like camera crews follow me around or anything like that. Yeah, that just seems that would be weird, obnoxious. Although she's right, flipping out is funny. Funny, funny show. One of our favorite shows. But if TV. we do, if I do, if I if I ever get an offer from Bravo, John, you have to be on the show. That you have to let them follow you around too. <laughs> yeah, that'll happen. Put a bag on his head. That's much more Anna Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I might be a little closer to Adam Nicole than he is. <laughs> Could you imagine? That means Will gets to be Bobby Fabulous in that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. not Bobby Fabulous? What was his name? Bobby Trendy. Bobby Trendy. Yeah, Will is wearing a very sparkly shirt today. We're not sure what happened. Yeah, Will's Will's covered in gold lame for some reason. I have no <laughs> earthly idea why. He is all blinged out. Everybody's just picking on me today. Yeah, I had a dress. I had a dress in that color once. You're just jealous. You guys are all just jealous. It's very Joan Collins. <laughs> it is. <laughs> very Shaka Khan. <laughs> and we're making all these references that just go right over his head. Because not, they're all from like the 80s. It's not the gold that's very Joan Collins. It's the shoulder pants. <laughs> <laughs> I do not have shoulder pads. Mindy, your future son-in-law. I just want to make here. that clear. He said to me outside, I wear the shoulder pad because I like to create a Y, a y frame. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It creates waist. an angle. <laughs> it gives me a waist. <laughs> You okay, Walter? <laughs> Walter's dying over here. Walter is dying. 
Mindy's future son-in-law is wearing gold lame. <laughs> it all goes right over my head. So I know, I know. That's kinda... what that's what that's what makes it even funny. Uh, and not for any other reason than you know he's twenty five years old and all these references are older than he is. He wasn't alive when John Lennon was killed. That's just scary. It just it does make you feel old. Mm. It really does. It makes you start realizing. I'm months you're... away from an AARP car. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> oh well, thank you very much, Eileen, for uh, for calling in with that. Who has another uh, email they'd like to read? I have an email actually. Go ahead, Goldemay. Can I go? <laughs> that's his drag name. What was that? That's your new name. No. That's, your, that's your new drag name. Yeah, Lemay. Gold Lemay. No, no, no Lemay. Lemay Gold. We'll just call you Golda. Lemay Gold. Go ahead. Uh, this is actually a uh, Richard Petty uh, question. Okay, this we're going to it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I have to. Now, this comes from Kathy. She Kevin says, snorted. <laughs> you okay? I am fine. Okay. She says, uh, my brother turns 40 in a couple weeks, and uh, so we got him the rookie experience for our upcoming Disney trip. My dad, husband, and my 22-year-old son also signed up to do the rookie experience with him. When you actually go out on the track and drive, does the whole group go at once, or is it uh, one person and one instructor. My husband is afraid that there will be someone who doesn't want to go very fast and the whole group uh, will have to only go as fast as the slowest person or something like that. My brother and son have done motorcycle racing, so there's no fear of speed in this group. Only fear is that they won't go fast enough. Well, to, to, to answer both those questions, you when you do the rookie experience, you go out uh, behind an instructor. You know, you're in one car, the instructor's in the other car. They're going to wait uh, I'm not sure what the time limit is, but th- you're not filing out one right after another. Um, if there is more groups out there, you may have to go around the other car. You're not going to be um, limited by how fast somebody else wants to go or doesn't want to go. If speed is really what you're looking for, um, I don't know if the short Disney track is the place for it. I mean, you're coming to Florida. You could go to Daytona. Your speeds are going to be uh, a lot higher there. I think you get into the 150s. Uh, at the Disney track, you're only going to go 122. It's more of a game of consistency and control and the experience of being in the car. You're only going to go 122 miles an hour. Yeah. I've never gone 122 miles an hour oh, in my yes, life. Oh, yes, you have. In a car? Uh-huh. I've driven with you. No, I have not. Ever. <laughs> ever. Never. Ever. I had your Cadillac to 115. I know that. You, maybe you did. I never did. <laughs> That's good to know I was paying insurance on that. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> I ended up on two wheels. <laughs> and that was just on the way to Publix. <laughs> no, but, um, but yeah, the, the max speed at the, the Disney travel track is going to be 122. So you recommend them not to do the rookie or do the other experience as well because that's more open. They can go by themselves. So they're not limited to anybody else on the course at all. You, there's no instructor in front of you. There's none of that. There, so. now, now, they do have packages where there there isn't an instructor, but it's like the – King Daddy package. That's going to cost you a couple thousand. But you're saying the rookie, they're in the car in front of you. In the, the other- rookie, they're behind an instructor and in a car alone. Right. And you're going to you follow the instructor around the track. Now, there'll be other people doing the rookie experience. If you look at my video, you can see I kind of pass other cars, but I don't really get close to any, so it doesn't interfere with... You don't have to go slow. And, and that, they'll tell you this. If there's a car that's going slow, you your instructor will go around them. You just follow your instructor. You know, it's there's not going to be any issues as far as that goes. Um, it's definitely a good question. It's something you want to know because there were people that were scared of that. You know, you don't want to be around other people, especially everybody's nervous out there and stuff. But I think 
I mean, you might want to really consider Daytona if you're worried about being around other people. Daytona's a, it's a two-and-a-half-mile track versus a little triable Disney track. And if you're worried about speed, you know, Daytona might be the place for you guys to look. And Daytona's what, about a 90-minute drive? Yeah, it's not that far, yeah. Okay. About an hour. Cool. Well, thank you for that, Mr. Uh, sure. Mr. Perry. Our next voicemail comes to us from uh, Down Under, down in New Zealand, Paula has uh, some comments about the show and about her recent visit to Walt Disney World. So here's Paula. Hi, everybody. This is Paula from New Zealand. Paula still is on the board. I'm just ringing to let you know that um, I was at Epcot the other day, um, which has been over here in the States on vacation, and I was wearing my Diz T-shirt as I went through the gates at Epcot, and the cast member commented on it. He said that he loved my T-shirt and he listened to the podcast all the time. He also said that the podcast is very popular with the cast members, and I just thought you guys might like to know that. Thanks for the podcast. It's great. We love it. And um, it was really interesting. We'd just done the Eastbound Repo cruise, and it was, it was a huge group of Diz boarders, and we actually... Disney had to cancel a couple of their events because we kind of took over some of their main guest areas for really? our own private functions. So it was pretty pretty cool, um, and it was it was really a wonderful opportunity to have so many Disney boarders on board, and it really added an extra interesting element to the cruise. So thanks every, for everything you guys do. We really appreciate it. Bye. Wow, that's cool. That is cool. That's very very cool. I know that uh, I know we have some cast members that listen. I didn't ever think or realize that it was popular among a lot of them, and. Um, I'd really love to know how many cast members listen to the show. Because that's my favorite thing. When I run into a cast member that listens to us, that's like my favorite thing. Um, I don't want to say my favorite thing, but it's pretty cool. I enjoy that. Um, but uh, the re- I, didn't, I didn't hear about that with the repo crews, that they had to reschedule. Uh, I haven't heard specifics about it. I know there was a huge Diz crowd on there. I didn't know any specifics of rescheduling stuff. It was over 300, 300 Dizzers on that cruise. Ooh, I think a lot more than that. Was it really? Yeah. I thought Regina said 300. On, on the repo cruise or on the September 1st cruise? Uh, oh, oh, the repo cruise. Do you think it was more than that? We oh, no, maybe no. Regina was on the September 1st, right? Because like, right. the repo cruise, we had more than 300 oh, clients that's right. on that cruise. That's okay. So, All right. I mean. Well, hmm. glad you had a good time, Paula, and thank you very much for calling with that uh, that extra tidbit. Of information, we appreciate it and love knowing that we have fans down in Australia, New Zealand. One of these days, one of these days, I'm going to get down there. But uh, thank you very much for calling in. I'd love to hear more from more of our listeners down under, especially in Aust- well, our listeners in Australia, and New Zealand, as well as our listeners in the UK. Would love to hear from you guys more. In Italy. If there's anybody in Italy, sure. We have someone who posts on the board all the time. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I should give out the uh, the direct number in addition to the toll-free number. I think the ability to record their MP3s is, has helped those people out a lot. Apparently, it's very expensive to make yeah. these calls. Yeah. Yeah, so use Will's tutorial to record your own. Uh, voicemail and mail it to us. Love, love, love to hear from you guys. So I know we have someone in um, the Netherlands. Yep. And Denmark, I believe, that I know of. And Germany. Mm-hmm. Got them all over the place. Hmm. It'd be nice. To, it'd be neat to know all the different places. Oh, we've gotten emails and listeners from South America. Yeah, we haven't uh, we haven't made we haven't put the call out in a while though for put people to map. go ahead and pe- have people tell us you know where where you're from. Uh, we know we get plenty of listeners in the U.S. We'd like to know who's outside the U.S. listening to us. 
tell us uh, where you're from um, and when the last time you were at Disney, when the next time you're coming to Disney is. Um, just like to get an idea of where all our listeners are from. So, Cool. Well, thank you again, I, uh, Paula. Who has another email they would like to read? I do. Johnny. Mine is from Benjamin in Minnesota. Hi, podcast team. I absolutely love listening to your show. It's very informative, and I frequently laugh out loud. Uh, my question is, if you know why Disney strongly encourages, encourages its guests to plan trips far in advance, but releases information with little notice. For example, you can make dining reservations 180 days in advance. And for Disney Vacation Club members, you can book your stay 11 months out for your home resort and 7 months out for other resorts. With how quickly these book, these are some good incentives to start thinking about your trip at least 8 to 12 months out. But Disney, on the other hand, does not release prices or events anywhere close to that. You can't even see availability in the resorts more than a few months out using their website. From personal experience, I have scheduled a trip to Disney World this January. That's only four months out, yet they have not posted the dates for the Pirates and Princess Party in 2009, or even if they are going to have it in 2009. Personally, I'd love to plan my vacations 12 to 16 months out. In order to plan, I'd expect to know the open times for the parks, including extra magic hours, dates, and times of any special events, and any scheduled refurbishments. That way I can adjust my dates accordingly and plan which days I plan to spend in each park. Um, I'd love to get the team's opinion on advanced planning and Disney's timing, which hinders this. Um, Benjamin, you're speaking to the choir. We complain about this all the time. This is a, a, a constant problem. A constant problem. They don't release any information. They don't let anybody, you know, really make any preparations or plans. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. One of the things that frustrates us beyond belief is um, when you can book your next day, let's say a package. You know, Disney doesn't open up, didn't open up next year's packages until a few months ago. Well, that's great if you're traveling at the end of next year, but what about the people who want to travel in January, February, or March? That only gives them four, five, six months to actually plan their vacation. So it's very frustrating. We go through this all the time with the park hours, and why can't they put the park hours out sooner? It's... I think Benjamin's answered one of his own questions, too. He's talking about refurbishments and park hours, and that way he could adjust his dates. I think you've answered your own question why they're not telling you about refurbishments and park hours that far in advance. They don't want you rescheduling your dates. Yeah. I think they park hours, though, is a little more complicated because park hours involves people's schedules. Well, so park, got- park hours is, are, is based almost solely on occupancy. Right. Uh, what the occupancy in the hotels are. Um, and they don't always know that. Um, you know, the booking window, I'd say the, the, the average booking window for a Disney hotel is anywhere between four to six months. So until they you know get within that booking window and have a good idea of what how many people they're going to have on property, um, you're not going to see you're not going to see the the hours come out. But sometimes they wait ridiculously long to release hours. Well, we did, we just had this not too long ago where people were getting real upset because December hours weren't out until recently. So yeah, it's it's a it's a challenge, and we can only hope we can only hope that at some point they'll come up with a different business model which doesn't act like the pirate and princess party information is a state secret not to be released i would almost i i would my guess this is strictly my opinion as i said earlier disney's figured out a way to send to sell two tickets a day there's going to be 
pirate and princess parties in 2009. Well, let's you know, there will be, but I don't think there's going to be as many as there were last year because they just didn't do well. They were not getting enough people in, and it was a big it was a big concern for Disney. You know that there were too many dates, so I don't think we're going to see the kind of sweeping pirate and princess party dates next year that we saw this year because this year was ridiculous. I mean, it was. If I'm, if I'm remembering correctly... Well, they added a whole second set. Yeah. They had done the first set in the beginning of the year, and then they had that whole second set over the summer. And I think part of the problem was the Pirate and Princess Party um, was good. It was really good. We liked it a lot. But it didn't have that same element as the Halloween Party. Yeah. The, their stations for treats and stuff was kind of lame. So I think... Sort of and there weren't as many, and the lines were really long, and you found out you got raisins. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Got raisins and those beads or something. Right. But yeah, this is a complaint we have all the time. Our biggest complaint really is Cruise Line. Cruise Line has this sort of, you know, spy mentality when it comes to their cruises. And it's like, give us the information as far in advance as you can. Even if you're not going to sell it, let people prepare. Right. When you release the information the same day that they go on sale, it creates this chaos. However, again, you've answered your own question. We watch the prices rise minute to minute to minute. So what happens is you have an eastbound repositioning cruise that reaches the highest price on the day it's released. And it doesn't matter then whether people cancel their cruises or not. Anybody else rebooking that cruise is going to pay the highest price. And just for clarification, for those not aware of uh, the way Disney Cruise Line pricing works, is when the ships are, you know, when the ship, when they first sell sailing, it's a t- tier zero. That's the lowest price you're going to pay. As the ship starts to fill up, as people start to book, it goes to a Tier 1, which is slightly more expensive, Tier 2, Tier 3, Tier 4, up to Tier 5. And when you get to Tier 5 pricing, you're paying top dollar. And what Kevin's saying is that when they release some of these specialty cruises, you go from Tier 0 to Tier 5 in a matter of hours. That you know, the, price, the price in the morning of that cruise is $2,000, but that price of that same stateroom, if you book it at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, is going to be $3,000. So it really, it, it's it's a... And one of the problems is... And Disney loves that. Right. And people book multiple staterooms. They use a travel agent. They go online. They call. So somebody can have... We've heard of people having three, four, five staterooms on a specific sailing. And all they've done then is drive the price up for everybody. Right. Once a tier is achieved, once tier five pricing is achieved, if half of the boat cancels because they've bu- double booked staterooms... Disney never brings that back down to tier three. Everybody then pays tier five pricing yeah. for the rest of the, until the sailing goes off. However, you can see sailings go on sale because of that. We saw that happen with those special ten night sailings uh, that they did a while ago in September. Uh, people were really excited about them and they booked them, and then everybody realized, oh shoot, my kids are in school, so they canceled a lot of those staterooms out. And then Disney did put those st- sailings on sale, but that's not going to happen. Listen. Take this opportunity to talk about it. 2010, sailings on Disney Cruise Line. Big rumors out there. Big ideas. Um, These are going to be very popular sailings. Don't double, triple book your reservation. Please, please, please stick with one method of booking. We know you're excited. We know you're worried about getting what you want. Just stick with the way you're going to book. Double booking your room is just gluttony. It's just greed and gluttony it and is. disregard for anyone else who's booking. And the attitude is, as long as I get mine, I don't care. Exactly. And it's the same thing with people who double book restaurants. All you're doing is taking up space that someone else might use. And I'm yeah. sorry, it's just the lowest form. Well, you know, and Disney can also put a stop to that. But they don't want to because... Why would they? Exactly. It drives the price up. So, crazy, crazy. Who else has one? 
I have another email. This is a, this is actually just a tip that came from uh, one of our members on the site. Uh, this comes from Dean. This is a tip uh, about the park maps. Dean Dean says on a recent recent episode, you mentioned the park and resort maps you have on your website. As a new iPhone user, I was just checking them out via the iPhone, see what they look like. Uh, they view very nicely in Safari web browser. When I pressed the plus button to view each map and uh, added each park map to my homepage, doing this put a shortcut on the iPhone, uh, complete with the Diz icon. Alternatively, you could save each map as a bookmark in Safari and um, and have them placed on your homepage, making them accessible and quicker. Basically, he's talking about the maps of all the resorts we have on our site. There there are maps out there for sale. Disney has a map called uh, the Magic Kingdom Mini Guide, which is an interactive map. It's like a dollar. He says uh, our scan maps are just as good and free. So for anybody out there who's got an iPhone, might want to check out our maps. And They're real big. You can scroll around, and they're great. For using what I think is really great is they're very, very high resolution. So when you do that sort of stretchy thing on your iPhone, yeah. you could really get the details and read what they're about. I think. Exactly. Yeah, so. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you for that, Will. Thank you, Dean, for writing in. Who else has uh, anybody else have another one? I do. I have one more. All right, Kevin. This is from Gabriella in Vancouver, British Columbia. Gabrielle says, My family of three, my husband and 10-year-old son, have been visiting Walt Disney World for the past five summers and have stayed anywhere between 10 and 16 days at a time. Last year, we stayed at the Swan, which offered a great discounted rate for teachers, as my husband and I are both educators. But next year, we'd like to uh, do a road trip around Florida to expand our repertoire of theme parks like Aquatica, SeaWorld, Kennedy Space Center, Cypress gardens discovery cove etc my question is which hotel would you recommend for a long-term stay around orlando we'd prefer not to stay at a vacation home since we really enjoy not having to do our own cleaning making the bed cooking etc thanks so much gabriella um gabriella it depends um moving from hotel to hotel all of the things that you're talking about uh, SeaWorld, Aquatica, Kennedy Space Center, Cypress Gardens, Discovery Cove, etc. They're all fairly close to Disney World. Central Florida is pretty pretty well compact. I mean, granted, I, you can't walk from place to place, but if you've got a car, you're talking minutes from place to place. Even from the west coast of Florida to the east coast of Florida, you're talking two hours. And Disney World is very centrally located to Central Florida attractions as well. I mean... If she makes that her home base, correct. Um, we were uh, we talked about this, and we've uh, talked about the Sheridan Vistana. And while they are an advertiser on our site, we've all stayed there, and it's a high quality property. But again, you're getting a timeshare type accommodation, and there isn't daily maid service. So if you want your bed made, you're going to make it. Now you can have pay for maid service, but it's usually every couple of days. Well, Vistana, yeah, Vistana gives us. Uh Actually, two different prices. There's a uh, with housekeeping option and with that. So I apologize. I stand corrected. So they can have daily maid service? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that might be an option for you. Um, and that sort of satisfies the whole, you can have a full kitchen. You can have the extra space of a, of a living room, dining room. And when room. I tell you, stunningly decorated. They really are. Oh, the units are gorgeous. And large, large units. So Very if you're willing to units. pay the extra for the housekeeping, this is a good option for you. And Because uh, honestly, what you're saving on the room over what you'd need in a, in a hotel room to get the same amount of space. The extra amount for, for housekeeping is really not very much at all. Well, 
my my point in telling her was do you agree with you guys agree with me that sort of staying in one place and then taking day trips out absolutely oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yes. yeah well again just because it's it's just so much easier to do right. it that way yeah i mean from sheridan vistana aquatica and SeaWorld are well, 7 nice. minutes away yeah I mean, tops yeah. Same thing, Universal and Disney's all the same. You know, well, that's far away as Kennedy Space Center. That's going to be what? Right. Well, yeah, it's a day trip. You, you, you it's an hour. It's, it's an, an hour. hour away, yeah. 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 And you're right, and Sheridan Vistana is right there off of I 4, so you're on a major highway that connects to other major highways, so right. you're not looking at a very long travel. And if you time. decided to go to the east or the west coast, excuse me, again, you're an hour. So you've, you're kind of. It's not to belabor the point, but you are centrally located in Central Florida. If if those type of accommodations are what you're looking for, if you're okay with doing a regular room, you could even stay at the Swan Dolphin. Right. You know, if you get a good rate there and you're not really looking for the added space or the kitchen and stuff, again, you're in a really good location for that. Um, Buena Vista Suites offers a nice uh, alternative to that as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Buena Vista Suites now is running... Uh, continental breakfast. Ha, oh yeah, always they have. Uh, it's not even. A, it's a full American. It's not a continental. It's a full, oh, American, a full American breakfast. breakfast. It's wow. a full American breakfast uh, for every member of your party every morning uh, while you're there. So if you're looking to to save money on that first meal, and you know you're going to get up and you're going to take advantage of that, that's a great. And it's a nice breakfast. Bob loved having. Bob used to go over there and have breakfast just for the heck of it. <laughs> He loved Bob the breakfast loved Buena Vista sweets. Uh, he yeah. was he was real high on Buena oh, Vista sweets. Well, he was you know it's the reason you know you you guys have heard me say it before. It's really not hyperbole or marketing BS. It's the God's honest truth. Any advertiser on this site is on this site because we really like them. We really like the product. We like the people we're working with. This is not you. You have no idea how many advertisers I turn away on a monthly basis. It's ridiculous. Um, the hotels that we have on the site. I'm not saying they're the only good hotels in Orlando. I'm saying those are the ones that I'll let my family stay at. Buena Vista Suites, Gaylord Palms, Radisson Resort Parkway, uh, Swan Dolphin, uh, Sheridan Vistana, both the one on uh, um, 535 and the one over on International Drive, the Sheridan Vistana Villages. Uh, these are these are first-rate pro- first properties. I had family stay in the Villages. And friends, I was shocked. It's the first one I've ever walked into and thought, oh, my gosh, I could have this decorating in my living room. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's that level. In my opinion, it's that level of taste. And that's what we try and go out and look for. We look for things that are extraordinary like that, but with hotels and, and businesses that are willing to negotiate good rates for our, our clients. And because of the size of our site, uh, the amount of traffic we have and the amount of business we send these hotels – we're able to put a lot of influence uh, on uh, on them, so uh, it's it's cool. So yeah, I, I, and Vistana, I can just I really and truly just recommend that so highly. Before we go further, can I just let the folks know who have sent us an email that Julie takes care of contacting people as we read their email, whether they want a T-shirt or a pin and lanyard, and Julie's away on vacation. So if you don't get an email from us in it for a couple of days, Julie will be back, and we are keeping track of who we whose voicemails we used and whose emails yep. we used, and Julie will contact you. It just may take a couple of days. That's right. Uh, and, John, do you have another email? Yes, I do. I have one from Kaylee in Pittsburgh, and she says, Hey, guys. First off, let me tell you how much I love your show, and the restaurant reviews are so cool that I wrote one of my own. Here's my question. I'm going to Disney World with my school's band. I'm a color guard, 
So I was just wondering what some of the best dining options are. We only have 30 minutes per meal and 15 to $20 per meal. Please give us a hand. Uh, thanks so much for all you do. Kaylee, um, it's not the money that's going to hinder you. It's the time. Um, you're not going to be able to eat any, any of the sit-down restaurants for you know, 50, uh, 20 to 30 minutes. You have to at least give yourself an hour for any of the sit-down restaurants in any of the parks. Um, so you're really going to be confined to... Although the way some of them try and turn tables over, it's getting to the point where it's not going to be hard to do one of those meals in 30 minutes if they keep uh, it up. I mean, even even so, even with waiting for your drink and your, your meal to come out, she's going to be really tight on yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. A buffet would work if you can get in and get out in Animal Kingdom. I would suggest Tusker House Buffet. Uh, at a lunch price, you should probably be able to do it f- at, at your price point. In Epcot, any of the places in World Showcase that have a counter service, you would be able to time, would be able to do it. I, I enjoy the fish and chips in England. There's a Tangerine, tangerine uh, Cafe I enjoyed. Is it, tang- yeah, is it Tangerine Cafe? The Tangerine Cafe is up oh, in, in front of Morocco. I like that better than the Moroccan restaurant. There is the pastry shop in France, which we enjoy. Um, I'm working my way around. There's a, 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 a fast food Chinese place in the China Pavilion if you want to take it's your awful. life in your hands. There. <laughs> it's awful. Avoid the one in Japan also. I, I just It was awful. Really? Um, I've not eaten in the cantina at Mexico in a very long time. Uh, I liked that better than I liked... I actually I haven't been to the Mexican restaurant in Epcot in so many in so long, but the cantina I've heard good things about. I haven't been in a while. In the Magic Kingdom, you can't go wrong with Columbia Harbor House. Uh, we found something we liked in Pinocchio's Village House, oh, yeah. and we found something we liked at Cosmic Rays. You can find good stuff, but you're, John's right. You're going to have to do counter service and or a buffet that you can kind of get into on a moment's notice. Cool. Well, thank you for that. John, and wrapping up our show, since this is my last show for a while, I wanted to, uh, this particular voicemail, I, I definitely wanted to play, just so I can leave you with this message on my, on my way out to carry you through until I come back in 20-some-odd days. So here is Sharon with her experience recently over at the Grand Floridian. Hello, podcast crew. My name is Sharon, and um, I've been listening to your podcast for about six months, and I love it. It really gave me a lot of good tips um, for my last trip to Disney World, and um, I I attended Disney World the last week of August, and um, I had kind of an interesting story to share with all of you. Uh, We were very lucky. We were um, able to stay at the Grand Floridian. And I absolutely loved the hotel. You should review it. Um, you don't know what you're missing. We just loved it so much. Um, and we were lucky enough to get upgraded to a Magic Kingdom view room, um, which was lovely. We could see the monorail, the Magic Kingdom. Um, we were, you know, overlooking Seven Seas Lagoon. But the funny story I wanted to tell you was my husband was out on the balcony um, one late afternoon, and he said, Sharon, come here quick. Come look. And I went out and looked. And there was an alligator swimming right by our window in the water, headed for the beach. And I immediately thought of you when you say, stay out of the lakes. And I wanted to share my interesting um, critter story with you. So we were amazed. We watched this guy swim right toward uh, the Grand Floridian beach area. And uh, 
your advice to stay out of the lakes is um, is a very good one. So uh, I just wanted to reinforce that for everybody. And um, thanks again. Take care. Bye. Well, very interesting, Sharon. Thank you so much for calling in with that. I really do appreciate it. Uh, it amazes me. It amazes me to no end. The controversy, my comments about staying out of the lakes caused. And uh, it, 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 you, you, you just made my point for me. You just made my point for me. They're, these are not animatronics in the water. This is Florida. And you got yahoos out there saying stupid crap like there's no danger and there's no alligators and making fun of what we said. And I'll tell you what. Let's see, how, let's see how, what you think if an alligator swims by your kid. Um, but uh, like I said, that's, I'm not going to be here for a few weeks. I, I, I wanted to go out with that one because uh, it just kind of makes the point. The signs say no swimming. That's it. End of story. Signs say no swimming. It's not optional. You don't go in the lakes. You stay out of the damn lakes. I'm going to close this show for the rest of my life. With that line, stay out of the damn lakes. And Sharon gives us a very good reason to follow that advice and not listen to people who aren't capable of saying anything bad about Disney. But uh, with that, folks, we are going to end the show. And uh, as I said, my last show for a few weeks. So I'll miss you guys all, something awful, but uh, I'll be back soon enough. So from all of us here, folks, have a great week. And we'll talk to you next week with another edition of the Diz Unplug Roundtable. And remember, stay out of the damn lakes. Bye.